It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE, RedEyeRadioShow.com. We stream live there or get our app, listen to us anytime, anytime at your convenience. I don't know if I'd listen after five drinks, though. Man. Uh, don't drink and listen to us. No, wait till your sixth one. <laughs> exactly. Wait till your Wait till your sister. Yeah, you want to be really gone by the time you listen. Um, uh, yeah, uh, and we appreciate all of our app listeners. We, we have yeah. more and more every day, and we, we love do. them dearly. Yes, yes. You know, Ron overnight, and a lot of people, you know, they, when they worked overnights, they would listen. And mm-hmm. and uh, then when they moved on to days, they were able to continue to listen to us, and we think that's great. And plus, pass it on to people that are sleeping at this time. So, yeah. They don't get yeah. a chance to listen overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just got to tell you, I mean, uh, one of the things we've got to discuss is the fact of <laughs> how the Democrats ran this entire case. I was reading Daniel Harzeni's uh, column in the National Review, and it's just it's just great. Yeah, because think about this. Think about what a if I'm a Democrat, I'd be furious mm-hmm. if Republicans had done what Democrats did. I would be furious from the standpoint of the people that they used to try to prosecute a case and every step along the way that they took. If my goal, if this was Republicans trying to get rid of Obama mm-hmm. and they had used a Schiff and a Nadler, I would have been livid. Well, okay, go back to uh, Russiagate, Russian collusion, that whole thing, right? And then what Adam Schiff said for what? About 18 months that he has seen proof of Russian collusion. Right. And what did we say? If if you're the rank-and-file Democrat and you believe that Trump worked with the Russians and that it had an impact on the election, that they rigged the election, whatever, and you hear Adam Schiff, who at that time, while he was not the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, he was the, he was the ranking Democrat on that committee while he was saying that, he had considerable power and said he had seen proof of it. I would be screaming at the TV or the computer every single time he said it. Then make sure it gets out and gets out today. We said this with Giuliani. Hey, I've got yeah. some. I've got. I've got some stuff on Biden, and I'll use it if I have to. No, use it. Use it. The American people deserve uh, the truth because you're no longer credible when you do that. Exactly. Uh, but David Harzani is talking about, you know, the, the insanity, the paranoid narrative of the Russian collusion. And the fact is it was repeated over and over and over and over and over again. It said, look, the, you're crying wolf. And he's and he writes here, you simply can't expect a well-adjusted voter to maintain CNL, CNN's level of indignation for years on end. Beyond the public's mood, the Democrat strategy was a mess. House Democrats and their 17 witnesses set impossible-to-meet expectations, declared that Trump had engaged in the worst wrongdoing ever committed by a president in history. And then he writes, I'm not exaggerating. And he's not. Remember that. No, he's not. That Trump had engaged in the worst wrongdoing ever committed by any president 
in history. And then he writes, when it comes to Trump criticism, everything is always the worst thing ever. Now, even if Trump's actions had risen to the level of removal, Adam Schiff and Gerald Nadler were quite possibly the worst possible messengers to make the case. These are not the politicians you tap to persuade jurors. They're the politicians you pick to rile up your base. Despite all the fabricated praise directed at Schiff over the past couple of weeks, the man reeks of partisanship, not only because he's been caught lying about the presence of damning evidence against Trump on more than one occasion, but because he personally played a sketchy role in helping the whistleblower responsible for sparking the impeachment to come forward. Lots of Americans rightly believe that a large faction of Democrats have been looking to impeach the president from day one. Nadler happened to be someone who was actually caught scheming to do it. Remember on the train? Oh, yeah. yeah. Remember the, the whole train yes, thing? Right. And the reporter caught him on the train and his plans to impeach Kavanaugh and Trump on Russia collusion back in 2018. Right. Even then, instead of spending the appropriate time building a solid case, getting subpoenas and all the vital witnesses and laying out a timeline, House Democrats, by their own admission, rush forward. They justified taking shortcuts by warning that the country was in a race to stop Trump from stealing the 2020 election just as he allegedly had stolen the 2016 election. That wouldn't have been a big deal if Nancy Pelosi hadn't exposed the supposed need for urgency as a ruse by withholding the articles of impeachment from the Senate for weeks. She did so despite having zero standing to dictate the terms of the trial, no constitutional right to attempt to dictate them, and no political leverage. In the end, she got nothing from Mitch McConnell for all of her trouble. Meanwhile, Democrats had spent most of the House hearings focusing on the specific criminal offenses of bribery and extortion. Poll tested words that were taken up after the House realized quid pro quo did not play well with the public. If, as seems likely, it's true that the America that Americans are more familiar with the concepts of bribery and extortion than with the concept of quid pro quo. And this gets to the point that we just brought up uh, last hour. That means they have a clear expectation regarding the evidence needed to substantiate those accusations. And Democrats didn't have such evidence. Nope. They didn't even bother including the former crimes. No, you don't need a violation of criminal law to impeach. But the words, the word was incessantly used by House Democrats anyway in their open-ended articles of impeachment, which were expressly written to compel Senate Democrats to conduct an investigation for them. The House had no right to demand that, and the Senate had no reason to comply. So as soon as the upper chamber took up impeachment, Democrats began dropping one bombshell leak after the next, the same strategy they deployed during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings to try to drag out the spectacle and maximize political damage. It didn't work. Nope. But you think about it just from the point of how you would create if you wish to impeach if you wish to impeach a president, which is a serious matter. <laughs> they didn't plan it at all. Everything was on the, by the seat of their pants. And the reason why is what you said early on, Eric. Mm -hmm. They never thought the president would release the transcript. And once that happened, they were lost. They had to keep going forward 
to try to impeach and remove from office a president of the United States that they didn't have the evidence that they thought they had on him. Well, you know, here's the thing, too. Um, uh, you look at at the uh, what who they brought as witnesses in um, uh, during the, the the House proceedings. Right. They I'm convinced, too. I thought about this uh, the other day. I'm convinced they already knew they already had that list of witnesses who they would call. They already knew who had who had been close enough to the president and would be willing to testify against him during impeachment. They knew that. So I'm convinced when because I believe this is how it went down. The Washington Post actually did the story. White House counsel moved immediately to put that transcript on a classified server. That's when it started. And then you had the first-hand whistleblower go to the second-hand whistleblower. We know they're not whistleblowers. And that second-hand whistleblower go to Adam Schiff's office and said, it's on a classified server. They put the transcript on a classified server. Adam Schiff learns that and says, wow, we've got a whistleblower here. Um, we've got a, a number of people that are or were a part of the administration that we know are willing to testify against Trump. He had his witness list all ready to go, his wish list. He went to Nancy and said, this is this is gold. This is this is the opportunity. If we're ever going to get to impeachment, this is it. And she said, yes. They thought that transcript would never see the light of day because and, it had been put on a classified server. And and because Trump won't release his taxes, they said they'll, he'll never, they'll release, never this. release this. And then the, the Washington Post article that came out saying that it was a promise yes. to a foreign leader, which meant, which gave the indication if there was a promise, there was something in return. It was, it was absolute. It that, was that, absolute that, in nature. Yes. Right. That we, that we had this against him. Because when you look at this, if I'm a Democrat, if I'm sitting here as a Democrat and I'm filled with insane rage and I want the president removed, just I want him gone no matter what. Right. Right now, looking at everything that happened the last five months, I'd be furious at the Democrats and say, we need to get new people in there because they're completely and totally incompetent. You couldn't have run a worse Mm -hmm. prosecution Mm -hmm. and trial. Mm -hmm. You could not have had worse impeachment managers to defend your house managers to prosecute your case you people screwed this all up yes as a democrat that's what i would be saying now i have no credibility because it's really impossible for me to put my mind's mind in the minds of of a democrat but i i think in this case if it because i'm trying to look at this from a common sense points of view which defeats the whole purpose but if you're doing any critical thinking, you look at this. And when I read David's column here in National Review, I went, wow, what a mess it was from the very beginning. They had nothing. They were just, they were reaching for the next thing. Well, why were they doing it? Why was it so bad? Why is it? Why was everything, why did everything backfire uh, uh, along the way? Every day we heard new accusations. Every time there was a new witness, well, that would be defeated by cross-examination. They got defeated every single time. It was like in a football game where they go, well... Uh, the uh, team won the first quarter, uh, the other team won the second quarter, and then the the guys came back and won the third quarter, but the la- the team won the... They didn't win any quarter. No. They, they never didn't. won a quarter. They didn't. 
They didn't. It was always the the best that they had was the week or was it week or maybe two weeks that the transcript had not come out. That was it. Yeah, that was the top. It's almost like Russia collusion. The best they ever had was the accusation. Yes. Without any evidence to back it up. And in that case, not even the accusation of a specific crime. That was always their best time when it was an accusation. But there were no facts that existed whatsoever. Once you got past even the accusation on both uh, Russia collusion or this, it all fell apart. It went downhill from day one. It's incredible the similarities between Russia collusion and impeachment and how it went. Look at the cross-examination, too, in the House. I mean, to, uh, with, with, with uh, all due respect to uh, Jim Jordan and all of them who I think did a great job. Without that transcript, it would have been much different. Without the transcript, it would have been vastly different. Because the transcript, and nobody debated the accuracy of the transcript. Those transcripts are not verbatim, but nobody on the left ever debated they they in fact the witnesses said didn't shift do that like the last week or something uh, it was well didn't, it was it was something? in one of his closings i think he yeah. said you know we don't we don't know what else was said or something like right, that i right. think but the witnesses actually did not no uh, deny no, that no. it was accurate no they did not and the and and that was the whole key it was on a classified server White House counsel moved immediately to put it on a class classified server. Well, it's never going to see the light of day, which means we get whistleblower and then the whole list of witnesses that came in and said it was wrong. And the, and the president's not going to be able to, to defend it. This is golden. This is the only opportunity we will have, maybe the only thing we can do on impeachment. And after all year long, of Pelosi saying, no, 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 no impeachment, no impeachment. She moves before the transcript is released. Before the facts were were out there. And at that point, they could never back off, which is why they were always hanging on by the seat of their pants and why everything that they threw out and all the promises that they gave. I'll tell you, if I was a Democrat, I'd be quite frustrated at the the uh, competency or the, the ineptness, I guess I'll say that way, of the people that I support in political office because they've blown it quite frequently, folks, if you're a Democrat. But Democrats don't seem to mind because I don't think they they just look at it, again, we're political activists. Our only goal is to get rid of the president. doesn't matter whether they believe it's strong evidence or not. It's almost that if if that's if that's where they're going, if they're always trying to get rid of this president, whether it's constitutional or not, whether it's a lie or not, whether it you you get caught in your lies or not, it doesn't matter as long as that effort is always continuing. Right. That's almost what I get from Democrats that want the president gone. Right. The facts don't matter. Yeah. Facts don't matter. The process doesn't matter. Process doesn't the matter. The Constitution clearly doesn't right. matter. As long as you're always pushing towards this, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt because there's no one else to really do our fighting for us. So Aside from Mitt Romney. Except for Mitt Romney, yes, exactly. <laughs> hey, if you want to get in, uh, we want to hear from you here because it's been a long five five uh, months and uh, we know a lot of people are passionate on it. If you'd like to get in, we do have a line open. would love to hear from you, 866-90-RED-EYE. Tires command a lot of attention. 
As a top expense for drivers and a leading cause of CSA violations, any tire maintenance practice that can help extend tire life is worth consideration. Consider tire balancing, which can set you up for savings and a smoother ride before your tires touch the highway. Tire balancing corrects an uneven distribution of weight in tires and wheel assemblies and offers benefits like improved fuel economy, increased tire life, and reduced vibration. Unusual shaking in the seat, cab, or steering wheel is a warning sign your tires might need to be balanced. If you experience this in your truck, stop into a TA Truck Service shop to have your tires checked by our team of professional technicians and ask about the benefits of their new counteract balancing beads. This maintenance tip is brought to you by TA Truck Service. More bays, more expertise, more solutions. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Let's go to Steve in Vancouver, Washington. Steve, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, what, what I'm thinking about is is what kind of attorneys do this kind of blatant lying in public? It's ridiculous. And, and I think that there's still a greater cover-up that they're trying to field. They're trying to, to keep covered up. Uh, I think they're really... Uh, afraid of more being found out more than what we've already got even well one would think that their mo of trying to hide this all isn't really working for them <laughs> right. because what we know came out of the russia collusion was not an investigation of criminal wrongdoing by donald trump but now it's criminal wrongdoing of those same people that were accusing trump of collusion now they are being investigated criminally and there's a grand jury uh, that is yep. looking into wrongdoing of members of law enforcement and the intelligence agencies of the obama administration grassley announced today and 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 yeah. representative or not representative but senator johnson mm-hmm. they're going to look into biden right and they, they're, they're and looking hun- for in fact uh, they're looking for the uh, secret service to get involved or hand over some travel records of hunter biden Yes, so that that's that's going to happen. Uh, Lindsey Graham said they're going to look into the whistleblower uh, uh, process and see mm-hmm. how that all you know went down. So if they're if that's their goal to hide uh, their corruption, well, I would say they might want to come up with another mo. Yeah, because they it keeps coming back. It really is like a boomerang, man. I, I mean, I, I it, it's it is just. I'm just in awe witnessing, hap- watching it happen, but then watching it happen over and over again, again. on major things. Wow. wow. Perverted awe. Perverted awe. awe. <laughs>
Page two, Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, okay, uh, Emerson Polling has a uh, tracking poll going on every night, a three-day rolling poll. Yeah. This is night four of the rolling poll. Buttigieg continues to gain on Sanders. Since they began this a few days ago, he's gone up nine points. Right now, it's this is New Hampshire. This is February 3rd through the 5th, Democratic primary voters. Rolling going on every day now. Sanders 31, Buttigieg 21, Biden 12, Warren 12. Wow. Here would, you know something? This is my question. Uh, Again, I'm, I shouldn't be doing this. Why am I torturing myself for the second time in a half hour? I'm going to try to put myself in the mind of a Democrat. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> i, I got to stop doing this. But what's the difference? Look, I understand Biden. I understand Biden. They just, they just don't. They, they're just not that much into him anymore. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, but what's the difference between Warren and Sanders? That's a that's exactly what I was wondering. Right? The, why not? Why not Warren? The only thing I can think is that Sanders is a genuine article. He hasn't changed. He hasn't. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. Be- because I'm trying to think of uh, of uh, optics, and optics is is critically important. You saw that in the State of the Union address. Substance is important. We believe substance is important. <laughs> Optics is also extremely important. Right. I've often said, I don't like the way that Warren presents herself. Right. Yeah. I don't like, because we've talked about optics. This is not insulting anybody. But I don't like her posture. I don't like the way that she presents the words or her voice inflection. I don't think that they are convincing. But then I look at Bernie Sanders and say, he's the wild nut professor. So I, I, I can sort of cancel. I can sort of cancel that out. And the way that he talks or the way you, you know what would bother me about Biden if, if I was a Democrat, his submissive nature that comes out under pressure. Yeah, especially right now. And that doesn't stand with the far left anymore. Yeah, Warren's but look the ethnicity stuff. If I'm a Democrat, I could care less about that. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 can you win? And we've talked about her voice, and for the longest time in in the optics section, this is not meant to insult anybody. It's just the observations that I believe that is made, and optics matters in politics. Uh, ask, uh, <laughs> go back to the Nixon Kennedy debates. Mm. I'm the only one as a was a four year old whenever was five year old that when my mother I don't remember it, my mother asked me, Who do you think won? And I went, That guy and I pointed at Nixon. And then I began a multi decade career in political analysis. Right, exactly. <laughs> but we've said Warren comes off as pleading all the time. It's not good voice projection. It's pleading with you, please do this. Well, so even it's, it's, even when she confronted Bernie on stage after that debate, yes, I believe you lied about me on national television. And he said, what? And she goes, I believe you lied. I would have walked up to him and said, you just lied 
about right. me on national TV. Right. Not, I believe you lied. She's, she, her demeanor. Well, it's not only, I, okay, even more than pleading. I'm, maybe I'm yeah. using the word, no, I'm not saying pleading. So, it's like a hesitation always. Yes. It's, there's not, a, con- it's not confidence. There's not confidence. There's a hesitation in ev- everything as if I'm trying to think about what you're doing. I also think she probably got hurt by that one guy that walked up and said, what about me? Right. I did the right thing. And, and the way she dismissed him and walked away, to me, that just, it, it came off as I can't argue. Right. Uh, I can't argue yeah, with him. Right. But if I'm a Democrat, the thing that bothers me the most about Sanders if I'm a Democrat, again, is the way that he always capitulates. He did to Hillary. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't care yeah. about the emails. And then what was the other thing? Uh, what was it? Uh, who, who caught him where he... Was it Yang or Buttigieg? Who's the one? Remember? I forgot what happened. Uh, well, what, no, it, what, was, what was uh, uh, it was... It um, was... Uh, what's his name uh, that dropped out first um, on on uh, the buyback program? O'Rourke! No, no. Um... No. um What's his name in in Congress? Um, the first one to drop out, <laughs> not the not the second one. I'm just blanking on his name right now. Was it not who? Uh, Swalwell. Oh, Swalwell. Oh, yes, yes, Swalwell yes, says, yes, well, yes, "Are yes, you going to?" Yes, and he yes, just cornered yes. him. Swalwell wasn't yes. even. I don't even know how he got on that debate stage. He wasn't even on anybody's radar. I mean, he stepped down not long after that. But he says, "Well, are you going to do a buyback program?" Fine, fine. I'll do a buyback program. Right. Yeah. That's when I went. Okay. You're, you're, when pressure's on, you submit to somebody else's will. And that's what bothers me. That, that's what would bother me about Bernie Sanders. By the way, as a, as a conservative slash libertarian, it's the ideas. I'm just talking about yes. the optics. So I'm a Democrat and imagery is everything to me because, hey, they all think the same. Okay. This, this is the problem that I, this is, I, I really believe I'm on to what the, liberals or what the the democrats the party and some of the establishment are concerned with when it comes to bernie bernie can't get a consensus within his own party okay mm-hmm. bernie's not the leader of the democratic party if he if he were to become president he would be it's not just about the fact that they are not confident he can win over trump it's beyond that that even if he did win, how many how many moments were would there be where Bernie goes to work on his agenda, and the other Democrats on Capitol Hill would be looking at him, going, uh, "No, no, we can't do that." I mean, think about that. All these ideas. We're not talking about like uh, a greater tax credit for uh, for college tuition or or books or something or tax break, or anything like that. We're talking about free college, free health care, living wage, all these ideas that he's not going to waver on. He's not going to back down from those. A Biden's going to waver. A Biden's going to do what he can do to get by as president if he ever became president. Bernie's not. And because of that, you're going to have... A number of Democrats on Capitol Hill going, dude, you're crazy. We don't have the money for free college. We don't have the money for Medicare for all and enacting all of this stuff. We can sit and talk about what it should be, but it's there's no way to pay for it. Liberal 
publications are now putting it to, I, think, I don't know if it was the Post or who it was, CNN, and they did the breakdown, and they were like, it'll be $60 trillion over 10 years, additional spending. So there were two polls that were done uh, for the Emerson College tracking poll night number four. Uh, and regardless of who you're going to vote for, who do you think is going to be the Democratic nominee? 41% say Bernie Sanders. 26% say Joe Biden. 19% Pete Buttigieg. 6% Warren. Now, in the actual who are you going to vote for, Sanders 31, Buttigieg 21. He was at 12 two days ago. There's been a swing in two days of Buttigieg in New Hampshire by nine points. Now, he still is losing to Sanders by 10. Biden is crashing. Let me just hang on. Let me just get to the uh, I want to get to what's happened over the last couple of days in that poll. Since yesterday, uh, Sanders and Biden have both lost a point. Warren gained one point. Klobuchar stayed the same. Uh, Buttigieg jumped four points in one day. That makes a nine point increase for Buttigieg in the Emerson poll in just the past two days. That is, um, that's momentum from from Iowa. We don't even have the results from Iowa, but he performed well. And and so, well, is that, and how much did Biden lose in that period? Um, uh, Bi- Biden lost a point okay. uh, since yesterday. All right. Since yesterday, yes. I don't know what he lost over the... Yeah, last. Uh, but he's not. I mean, he he's not performing well anyway. And to lose another point. Here's the other thing, because he is extremely liberal. But uh, Sanders holds a strong lead among very liberal voters with 55 percent of support. Follow those Warren 21 percent. Buttigieg, which nine somewhat liberal voters. Sanders leads with 35 percent. Uh, Buttigieg, 19 percent. Klobuchar, 16 percent. Among moderate or conservatives, Buttigieg has taken the lead with 30% support. That, that, and I was thinking that the other day, too. They're looking at him as a replacement for Biden. Buttigieg is no Biden. Now, Biden may have gone way liberal in the last six months, but, you know, Biden, <laughs> Biden, you could say, is the opinions that he hold, held back in the 90s could be considered a moderate Republican today. Oh, yeah. Based on what he held back, you know, back then. Buttigieg is a radical left winger. Yes. But he is able to successfully promote himself inside the Democrat Party as a moderate. He has been able to successfully do that. Right. Because the liberals don't buy that he's a liberal. Right. And conservatives and moderates do. The polling shows that. Well, who does that mimic? Remember in 2008 before the election? Yep. Well, the, you know, the, the Obama guy, you know, he looks like more of a moderate. Yep. Like. Are you following along? Yep. Never forget, I had that conversation with the yeah. firefighter right. that uh, I used to do my hockey workouts with when I did my hockey skating workouts. Not figure skating? When did you no. quit figure skating? <laughs> my hockey workouts. Okay. Uh, and I'll never forget, he walked up and it was September and he says, yeah, he goes, uh, that Obama guy, he said, really uh, seems to be uh, you know quite moderate. I was not as liberal. I said, when did you start paying attention? He goes, a couple of weeks ago. And I went, oh, yeah, of yeah. course. <laughs> You'll need to go back a little yeah. further. <laughs> and But uh, but Buttigieg is successfully, you know, putting that, that I'm a moderate, and he's not. No. But he's, he has successfully done it with Democrats. Look, uh, he's a liberal. Yes. But liberals have been mainstreamed. And I think that's part yeah. of the problem. You know, I mean, it's now it's mainstream 
to say, uh, you know, look at someone if they disagree with you and call them a bigot just just because they disagree with you. And that's where a lot of people are, and they just kind of get away with it on the left. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Let's go to Mike in Georgia. Mike, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Welcome to the show. Hi. Good morning, guys. First of all, I want to say I'm a conservative Democrat. I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. Mm, Y'all were absolutely right about one thing that I'd never realized before. Mr. Trump, President Trump, because we we really need to give, you know, the honor to the office. President Trump does not insult the American people. We need to clean houses, Democrats. And I want to talk to all you Democrats out there to listen to this program. You do have a following, by the way. You know, we need clean house, start from the top to the bottom. It's like this group of jokers that are running for the, for a president right now. It's the amateurs meeting the incompetence. I would vote for a sock puppet before I would vote for any of them. Y'all have a nice evening, guys. Thanks. Right. Thanks, Thanks, Mike. Um, look, I, uh, but but who would it be? Clean house and bring in who? Who was, okay, if it's somebody young, they're going to be a radical activist. I mean, think about this. Going back, in, back when uh, Cory Booker was a mayor. They started talking about him one day running for president. He got to, you know, he got to the national stage and no, you're not the guy. Um, you talk about, I mean, you can look at, wow, nobody said rising star in the Democratic Party or rising star in the Republican Party. They don't say that anymore, especially on the left, because in order to, to run, you have to do what they're doing. The reason it's such a mess is because the only thing they can do is punish, promise to punish and also try to appease. That's the only. Well, that's the only thing they can do. There is. I mean, and he referred to himself as a conservative Democrat. Mm-hmm. There is no such person that I know of right now in the Democrat Party. No, not one. There. It, it's. It, um, and and by the way, you can't include Mansion anymore because no. Mansion. You know, as, as soon as you vote for article of impeachment, too, yep. what you're yep. stating is yep. a president should be removed yep. from office based on the fact that he's asserting his constitutional rights to have the court decide right. the dispute between the legislative branch and the executive branch. And he's saying that that's removal from office. Well, it, it, that you're you're done as a conservative because you don't believe in the balance of, you know, the, the balance of power. You don't believe in this. Excuse me, the separation of powers. You don't believe in the three branches of government. The same right. for. Uh, uh, Justin uh, Amash, who's I'm a libertarian. Any libertarian huh. who supports him and his and 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 says that uh, you know that he's a rebel and an independent and he's against Trump, he's no libertarian. No. Any libertarian is concerned with the Constitution and the separation of powers, and Amash isn't. No, and it's look, um, I don't know who you would get. That's the problem with the Democrats. That's because my point. It, yeah. it is the, 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 the <laughs> mental, it's the mentality driving it. If you're a conservative Democrat, then your only vote could be for, your only options are stay home or vote for Trump. Really? I mean, no one on the left is going to appeal to you because it's just getting worse.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Pilot Flying J Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thank you for being here. In the news today, here it is, the exciting dynamic end to the impeachment trial. I move that the Senate, sitting as a court of impeachment on the articles against Donald John Trump, adjourn, sonny die. Without objection, the motion is agreed to. The Senate, sitting as a court of impeachment, stands adjourned, sonny die. Mesmerizing. Wow. Uh, that was <laughs> five months. It was September, remember, September, mm-hmm. September, October, November, December, January, mm-hmm. five months. You know, I, I just it's um, you look back on it and the further we get away from this, uh, imagine, um, I don't know, uh, 16 years down the road when when Trump is leaving office <laughs> <laughs> and. He's getting on, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the the Marine One, you know. You know what? When he leaves office, he'll probably use his own private helicopter, which is bigger than Marine One. <laughs> that just hit me. But he's leaving. He's waving goodbye. We'll look back on this whole impeachment thing. You know, you and I, in the days after the 2016 election, November 2016, we were talking about how the party was splintering because everybody needed to be a victim and they needed to be a victim for a different reason every day. So that this group become became a subgroup and now everyone outside that subgroup is the oppressor even within their own party. And this is exactly what you're seeing on the stage during the Democratic primary. But I don't even know... If in November of 2016, we knew how fast it was going to ramp up and how crazy it was going to get because the Russian collusion thing and then Kavanaugh impeachment and all of these things that have just come back to really slap them in the face. They have been failures over and over again. And this president has done nothing but win. And it's just it's just wild. It's it, it's to the point now it's gotten so crazy. He is the normal one in the room. Yeah, uh, and and uh, the performance that he gave in the State of the Union. Uh, and you know, if you listen to this show, we've been critical about the president's messaging. We've been critical about Republicans' messaging. Right. Uh, we were very, very happy when he brought aboard Brad Parscale and he started talking about what he believed in and. And how excited he was, and and how the president should market himself, and uh, we have said already that the Democrats, we believe that Article One of the next impeachment is going to be that the president basically took the State of the Union yeah. and made it a personal political message for his own self interest. Therefore, he should be impeached for the State <laughs> of the Union. Uh, but it was it was a uh, for 
when 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 he first became president because there was so much because of the look over the top rhetoric that Trump would use on a consistent basis and more than he does today he'll still use it he throws he throws meat at the base but every politician does that yes uh but even when he gave his first state of the union address which i thought was pretty good there was still there was still the question is this really genuine trump or is a genuine trump you know the person that tweets all the time yeah, right, and, right, and right, lashes right, out right. At, at his enemies and there's always turmoil inside the white house mm-hmm. well things have really calmed down there haven't they yeah you know, they, they really well they've gelled because now right. it's he has really settled in to the role and that's interesting yes. you say that because i was just thinking about it uh the other night you look at this state of the union and compare it to the first one and and i kind i was wondering the same thing and we talked about it in other words had he's it was a good one the first one uh, his first uh, uh, address to uh, the joint session of Congress, uh, which is not technically a state right, of the union. Right. And then his second, sta- the, his first actual state of well, the union, he kind of, it, it started to gel. Well, it, he mellowed from the inaugurational uh, inauguration speech that I thought was horrible. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I'm totally with you on yeah, that. Yeah, the inauguration, it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, and, and so, but he has, in in my opinion... As we have said, it, it look, the Democrats do this all the time. It's not what you believe. It's how you explain what you believe. And, You're and, right. And the, the, it's about the communication. Right. Yes. It's, it's the communication of it. And the president, as I said, when after I watched the entire thing yesterday, I'm sitting there thinking back, and I went, wow. 90% of America will agree with about 90% of what he said. Yeah, and I said, okay, right. that's a little bit too optimistic. Eighty percent of America will agree with ninety percent of what he says if you take the words Donald Trump said it out of it. Yeah, right. And but he was able to, especially to people that are willing to listen to him, even if they have doubts about, uh, you know, about him. The most frequent thing I've heard about Trump over the last couple of years and still hear it today. I wish you wouldn't tweet that much. I wish you wouldn't say the things he he says. But man, I think he's doing a really good job, and I really like what he's doing. And yeah. and I hear that more than I hear that more than anything. Now, in in the arena of the media, you will hear either most of the time two things: the people that hate him, or the people that absolutely love love him and stand behind him. Probably a lot of people are somewhere in between that, as we have always said. Nobody is absolute, like you can hear from the the media many times, as we. Uh, told you, David. You know Herzeni's uh, column in the National National Review about you know, that the part of the problem with the impeachment of Trump was Trump committed the worst violations of a president ever. He goes, and really, that's what they were saying. Well, of course, that's just you know ridiculous and over the top. And after a while, people aren't going to believe you, right? But right. Trump has again. He has be, to me. He has become very comfortable. And when I listened last night, I said, you know something? All of it's genuine for Trump. Now, yeah, the right, State of the Union yeah. address, because he has done those press conferences where he's remained calm. And when he's talking, to he's done so many of them that he's just, there's a calmness to him, which I believe there's a confidence and also a recognition, probably, that, oh, this is mine. <laughs> Yeah, right. That, that I yeah, think comes yeah, and yeah. it's 
when I when I meet a lot of people and and I meet friends, you know, and, and talk to friends, whatever. But especially when I meet new people, and they know me, they may not listen to the show a lot because they have regular hours or whatever. Right. But when I first meet them, when they first listen to me on the radio, they'll say, "You're, you're a lot more animated in, in on the radio than you really are in real life." And so they'll ask me, "Are you faking it?" It's like, well, no. That's when you do that five hours. When you do that five hours a night, twenty five hours a week. Yeah, that's who I really am. But that other part of it is me. You're seeing me resting. <laughs> that's who yeah, I am. Right. That's who I am too. Right. Both are who I am. It just fits the situation that I'm in at that particular moment. Right. And I think it's the same with Trump. I think now you have, and you and I talked about this earlier. He has to do rally Trump. But then campaign Trump, yes, you, you've got to find a mix between rally Trump and 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 State of the Union Trump, yes, which should if if it's if it's if it's forty percent rally Trump and sixty percent State of the Union Trump, I don't know of a better messaging than I've heard. I can almost say ever in my lifetime from a. From from a president, yeah, I, I can right. say you know I, you know I look at it and I you know all you really can compare it to is really the you know the Bushes whatever that were pretty low key. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reagan had a different Reagan had a different style and in a way that was in a different time when you weren't in the media every single day. It wasn't the same thing. It right, wasn't right. the social media didn't exist the same way. So I think it's unfair when people start trying to compare the marketing of a trump as to the marketing of a of a reagan because it was completely different the media was completely different nothing was instantaneous it wasn't it, yeah, it, it, it right, wasn't that right. way all the time the, it wasn't constant analysis but, on social media and back and forth no no it, you had to wait until the next uh newscast or tomorrow's right. paper to get yes it. And, and so i think if if trump can keep this if trump can keep what he is is doing and 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 I think that his campaign manager has done a great job uh, uh, of it. He's going to be very, very tough to beat from anybody right now. I understand why a Chris Matthews is going, uh-oh. Why a, a James Carville, as we pointed out the other day, is going, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Why a Van... Um, Van Jones. I keep wanting to say Van Johnson. <laughs> old actor. Uh, Van Jones... Okay, Boomer. <laughs> uh, when Evan Jones says it, they look at it and they go, this is a guy who has projected himself as a leader. You know, we talked about posture of, of politicians. I don't know if I've ever seen a posture like Trump. Where his head, he holds his, when he walked, when he walked up to give the speech, when he walked up, you know, before he didn't shake hands with either Vice President or Nancy Pelosi, I yeah, had to say right. that, mm-hmm. <laughs> as Nancy was uh, uh, preparing and seeing and practicing uh, whether she could actually that that was the thing she was wondering did you see that the video of her with her hands down there mm-hmm. seeming like she was trying to see if she could tear it apart yeah oh right. there's just like be, before we we even got to that particular point when he first walked up on stage and looked out I just went look at that posture mm-hmm. look at that posture mm-hmm. that's somebody who says I own the room yes that's somebody who is not scared and and it it just he hasn't flinched no it really he uh he he hasn't and i i think that 
you know, when, when you see that, when you see this, I mean, this just has come out. Uh, nearly six in 10 Americans say they are now better off than they were last year, up 50% from last year alone. The data comes from Gallup's annual Mood of the Nation survey and was conducted January 2nd through the 15th following months of historically low unemployment rates and a Dow Jones Industrial Average reading close to 30,000 for the first time. The current, get this now, Eric, the current 59, with with all the stuff that's been thrown at him and all the angst and the divisiveness in this country that we're told about every single day, the current 59% of Americans who say they are better off financially than they were a year ago is essentially tied for the all-time high mm. of 58% in January of 1999. That was recorded during the dot-com boom. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, that's um, that's pretty incredible. Gallup rever- uh, reveals 76% of Republicans say they are better off today than a year ago about their finances. 43% of Democrats say the same. Uh, independence, uh, 58% say they are better off now than a year ago. And 76% of independents say they will be better off next year. You know, um, that kind of confidence is, and coupled with the craziness on the left, the disarray that is the Democratic Party. Look, we don't make predictions, and there's a lot of the hashtag landslide 2020. But I'm telling you, that environment means what I've been saying for about a year. It's it means this president. It means this this election is this president's to lose, and and I don't know what gets in the way. There there could be a number of things, but. It would have to be something major with the economy, and I don't know anybody forecasting that. You know, and you can say Bolton leaving, you know, the media was paying attention to it. I don't think the average Joe even knows what a national security advisor is or, right. or, or does, but we understood it. And, you know, we saw that after he left, he actually did some Bolton kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's going to be that going on. But you think about it, the people around him have been around him for a while now. Yes. But the most stable the people around have been. And they come off as as uh, as 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 pretty strong. Well, whatever and, and whatever, whatever happened between Pompeo and the reporter doesn't matter to his base, and it was nothing. Those things happen all the time. But he's come across as very strong. And actually, the foreign the president's foreign policy and what he did. Remember, as was brought up, was it Howard Kurtz or somebody brought up on Twitter yesterday? Remember, it was just a month ago, month and a half ago that we were in World War Three. Right. Yeah. Well, we're not in World War Three. No, we're not. Everything is about crying wolf, and eventually people say, "Stop it." And you look at it and you say, this is a guy who's in control. I may not like everything that he does, but man, I'm telling you, he's in control. Those people, they're nuts. Because when you're angry, always angry, you're always in panic mode. Yeah. And therefore, you're not in control. Exactly. 866-90-RED-EYE. 
The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has certified and released its official number for drug overdose deaths for 2018. And they showed over a 4% decrease in the number of people that died from a drug overdose from the previous year. So we know that all of the efforts from the federal, state, and local leaders that have been engaged in this issue are beginning to show progress. Anne Hazlett is with the White House's Office of National Drug Control Policy. The CDC recorded about 67,000 deaths in 2018, compared with about 70,000 in 2017. Nationally, we see the numbers going in the right direction, but we know that there is still a great amount of work to be done. Especially in states where the number of drug deaths is still increasing. Missouri is one of those states. The White House will be holding a roundtable discussion there to discuss ways to tackle the problem. This is Stephanie Ho for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. The USDA report is brought to you by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Highway Diesel Fuel. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Let me see. Let's go to uh, Wesley in Franklin, Tennessee. Wesley, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, My uh, question is, you know, everybody's talking about what a profile and courage Romney is for his vote, or at least that's what the Democrats and the the media is, the, the narrative is. To me, the real courageous one is Susan Collins. She's the most vulnerable uh, senator up for re-election, you know, other than Doug Jones, I think he knew that his goose was cooked and he's auditioning for uh, some role in a Democratic administration or or, <laughs> or something like that. I, I think he probably is internal showing there's no way in hell he's going to win that seat. Um, but I'm curious, what do you guys think the uh, political price Romney's going to pay? Is, 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 is uh, you know, in, in, in five years, when whenever he is up in 2024, is uh, McConnell or whoever's in there, the National Senatorial Command, uh, Campaign Committee, are they going to you know, say, uh, uh-uh, you ain't. I mean, you know damn well Trump's going to uh, uh, campaign for whoever the hell's uh, primary and against them. Um, I, I, I don't. The senatorial campaign to give him money. I, I'm convinced Wesley, he's not going to run again. I'm convinced he's won and done. Oh, I, 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 I it's that. a, it's a gut feeling, but I think, I think he will probably a couple years out, maybe after uh, the uh, midterm. He's probably at in 2022. He'll at some point. Uh, I think that's he'll announce it. Here's your forecast. That strengthening winter storm in the southern plains yesterday is going to be shifting into the northeast by Friday. And a band of snow and ice with it will lead to some slick and hazardous travel conditions. South of the storm, severe thunderstorms will bring a risk of some damaging winds and isolated tornadoes today. And, of course, heavy rainfall posing a risk for some flooding for the deep south. So there are a lot of watches and warnings out there for central Alabama, portions of northern and central Georgia and Tennessee and southern Kentucky. We have the flash flood watch in effect. Major problems associated with the system today will all be east of the Mississippi. In the Pacific Northwest, we will see rain on the coast down I-5, Seattle and Washington. Eastward over the Rockies, look for heavy snow in portions of Idaho, Montana, Wyoming and northern Utah. Your national forecast from Red Eye Radio. I'm meteorologist John Trout. 
Marco Ball, Knightley, Gary McNamara, and Eric Harley on Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric, I'm Gary, 866-90-RED-EYE. Huh? No, I don't think we have a cabal nightly. Oh, okay. It's every once in a while. Uh, to the last caller, I realized we didn't address Romney's vote. We did at the beginning of the show, and we didn't in the in the last uh, half hour when we started talking about it. Uh, I think we get I think we get a lot too caught up about how history is going to look at this. You know, the Democrats, and I guess if that's how they want to claim victory, oh, we got Romney, and Romney is the first, and blah 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 mm-hmm. blah. That all goes away if Trump wins because Trump is the first president in the history of all the presidents to win after being impeached. Yeah. And that will dominate the history books. Uh, so, uh, you know, if, if we want to do that fine, I worry about moving the country forward in the right direction that I wish it to, uh, to go in, which means I want Trump to be reelected. Uh, I want him to be more concerned with the deficit as I do other Republicans. <laughs> In yeah. in general, I don't I don't put that blame all on Trump because Republicans have been backtracking on what they claim is fiscal responsibility for the last 15 years, big time. So uh, but these are just things I would like to see. And I have no chance getting them with with uh, with Democrats. As for Romney, I don't care what your political what political party you belong to. That doesn't matter to me. Does it make sense are you dealing with the truth? Are you dealing with the Constitution? And across the board, we paid attention to what Romney said in his explanation. It didn't hold any water. He said things that were flat out not true. Yep. In his explanation yep. of why he of of why he uh, he did it. So, again, for us, it's always the substance of the argument. People seem to care about those things. People seem to care tremendously about you know somehow punishing nancy pelosi uh, i got a ton of those emails well uh, you, you see what gates did he introduced a resolution uh to the ethics ethics committee yeah. it's run by democrats not gonna go anywhere yeah. Yeah. i gotta censure not, nancy pelosi in the not house gonna not gonna happen you know it's like you know just don't worry look that that's a that's a tv commercial yeah. as i said i heard more people that that uh, I consider independent, mention that and say, boy, there was no class there whatsoever. Yeah, let that fall on her naturally. And let that fall on the party, too. Um, Let that fall, let that... Let that be one of those final nails in that impeachment coffin. You know, because uh, that's the damage that's being done to their party. I think, and you and I both agree on this, I believe, um, that, that she's likely very frustrated with with what's going on with her party probably you can add to that frustrated with who's up on the the stage that wants to be the next president and looking at it going there is no way and and then of course the the very real possibility that after november 3rd or getting into next year she will no longer be the speaker of the house and that She's frustrated with Adam Schiff, probably, the way this whole thing was bungled, uh, the lies that were told, how they got there, knowing there, there was now knowing there was nothing there and it was never going to be be about removal. She's trying to wear this proudly, but she's really frustrated. Yeah. And I and and I, I think, you know, whatever they're going to do, however, they're going to react in that way. Let that fall on them.
Just let that naturally fall mm-hmm. on them and work for the president. You know, when you, when you, uh, as we mentioned before, when you see Chris Matthews, when you see James Carville, and we've talked about it, you know, James Carville and uh, Carville, excuse me, and um, Van Jones, and they recognize what's going on right now, and they're scared of Trump. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're seeing is they didn't expect Trump to be this powerful. I think they thought that Trump was going to wear on people. Right. That he was going to wear. And the fact is, they thought that if they egged him on over and over and over again, that, you know, he would respond because, yeah, has he been reactionary? Yeah, but he he's turned the tables on them. He has made because they have just are so filled of rage and hate and whatever emotion they have. Sometimes I can't even describe it because mm. it's so full of insanity. Yeah, right. Uh, but he sort of he has sort of turned the tables on them. Where now he is the one that comes out and it's like, well, it's just Trump and that we're, he's normal now and that's just Trump and he's doing a really good job and I like this. And I like when he says this. I like when he says this. What are they saying? He's the worst president in the history of all humankind, the worst Hitler, the worst Paul Pot. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. stop it. Yeah. And so I think that's I think there's a recognition of somebody who's been around as long as Nancy Pelosi. That's not an insult. I mean, in politics, who's been around as long as she is. They sort of know when things aren't going their way. Mm. Uh, as to uh, a couple of other points, uh, um, you know, we should make because we did at the beginning of the show and I realized we have a whole new audience as people are waking up. Some people stay all five hours mm-hmm. and uh, and they we should make them what valued fans like uh, Facebook is doing now. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that Facebook was doing. Yeah. That. Okay. Yeah. You could be right. a valued fan of somebody. Oh, OK. okay. Uh, uh, but uh, like I said, the, the Romney thing to us, it's simply based on the substance. What his political party is doesn't matter. I, you know, I, you know, the party loyalty, whatever. I, uh, I guess if you're inside the party, fine. I look at the substance of the argument, uh, and and uh, whether you're basing your belief on the facts uh, or or not. To me, as soon as the vote was in yesterday, I knew what the vote was going to be in. But and I told a couple of people that I was talking to, what do you think now? It, you know, this has just been a horrible thing. And I said, actually, I'm celebrating right now in my mind. This is a great day for America. It, it they're a great learning experience that the founding fathers were geniuses. Yep, the Constitution of yep. the United States yep. uh, ensured that power could not be uh, could not be concentrated in one area of our legislative branch. That the House could not dictate their political rage and make it happen in the country. The House Democrats were defeated. Their power was blunted by the founding fathers who set up the Constitution and the separation of powers, the three branches of government. America might not have a clue, the majority of Americans, what the three branches of government are, but as we said the other day, it doesn't mean they still don't work. And it did. So it was a great day. It was a bad day that you find out because you don't even need to go to article number one. All you have to do is go to article number two, that every single Democrat senator voted that a president should be removed from office for simply stating that I have constitutional rights and procedures should be followed. And if we have a disagreement, it should go to the courts. Yeah. Which is absolutely constitutional, absolutely 
the precedent that has been set in impeachments and disputes between the legislative branch and the executive branch for centuries. Mm -hmm. And every single Democrat voted against it. But that's a learning experience there, too. We understand how radical they are. We have stated before that they don't believe in the Constitution, that they don't believe in the First Amendment. They don't believe in freedom of speech. They don't believe in freedom of religion. They don't believe in the Second Amendment. They don't believe in the morality of due process and don't even claim to believe in it anymore. They don't believe in the infrastructure of government, of the Electoral College, of even having a a, a Senate. They don't agree with the morality of the Constitution that says the majority shall not dictate their will to the minority or be able to take away rights or the Constitution, constitutional protections from the minority, or in this case, the president, which they are attempting uh, to do. Across the board, we now see how radical they really are. Yeah, right. There's no hiding it anymore. They can't hide behind it and claim and pretend to be moderates. And to me, the best thing that we can have in the United States is the truth. Knowledge of who people really are. Let's be honest. We all know who Trump is. Yeah, there's no question. No question. He hasn't changed. Right. And now we know who the Democrats are. There's no, okay, we're going to be moving to the middle. Well, I I guess we see Buttigieg's rise that... um, there's still some Democrats who will fool that he is a moderate <laughs> right? in the last couple of days, mm. especially in New Hampshire. Uh, apparently, then, oh, yeah, he's a moderate. So we think, no, he's not. He's he's a radical also. You know, um, it's interesting because uh, you mentioned something about the appeal of Bernie. And the appeal is a lot like the appeal of Trump um, in that Bernie has always been Bernie. Think about this. What I mean... I don't know to what extent it, it, it ends up benefiting, benefiting him politically and if it gets him to the nomination. But the Democratic Party is worried about it. But you set that aside. What is the voter looking at? Well, they're, they're looking at a guy who hasn't wavered. Pete Buttigieg was not a household name. He's a, you know, he's a mayor. All due respect. He hasn't been around the political scene for ages. Well, the former vice president, Joe Biden, has. But what's the difference? Biden's trying to work. He's he's trying to appease. He's confronted by someone in a in a in a crowd. How many genders are there? Three. Joe, don't respond. Because we know you don't believe there are three genders. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing. He's not the real deal. They look at Bernie right. saying, well, he's the real deal. He hasn't changed. With with Trump, people have been asking him to run for president or asking him if he had thought about it for decades. And he's been the same person for decades. And for the most part on the issues... For the most part, the most important issues that he is talking about today have been the issues that he has been talking about for 40 years, which was why it was really incredible when the narrative started that, well, he really doesn't care about corruption. He just wanted to go out after the Bidens. He doesn't care about corruption in the Ukraine at all. 
And, uh, you know, Schiff was saying that. Actually, Schiff came out and said that. And it was funny because we got the call that night from a guy who said that to us. He goes, well, when we defeated his arguments, we go, mm-hmm. well, no, actually, there there are s- s- things that make you wonder about the Bidens at the minimum. Even if you're a Democrat, Democrats are concerned, oh, what happened over there? And after we explained this to him, he goes, well, uh, Trump doesn't generally care about corruption at all. He never has. Well, that's a ridiculous statement. That's a statement of complete ignorance because if you've been paying attention to Trump, he's been talking about taxpayer money yeah. going the U.S. hardworking U.S. taxpayers' money going to corrupt governments, yes. and we're not holding them accountable for the money that we give them, and we're not getting back any benefit from it. And the other side isn't doing their job, mm-hmm. or the you know talking about the other side of the world, mm-hmm. Europe, they're not doing their job. That's been a consistent narrative since he was on. Probably uh, Phil Donahue. I was going to say Donahue, probably. Going back to the late 70s, early 80s, and on Oprah in the 80s. Larry King. It's been a constant. Right. And so it it really is, uh, it is amazing because we are here the day after impeachment and Trump has never been stronger as president. the, The private payroll numbers that came out yesterday. Wow. Yeah, just unbelievably twice, good. nearly twice what they had had right. predicted, and, and I think that's that's incredible. I think that's confidence in business hiring because yep. the trade deals are done. Yep. Eight six six ninety red eye. What's the difference between standard number two diesel and premium fuel? Ron Jessen is director of product management for Cenex, the makers of Cenex Roadmaster XL premium diesel fuel, and he fills us in. You may want to consider the the total operational cost behind the price of the pump. If you look at the cost for replacement and you look at the cost of ongoing maintenance, unfortunately, those costs haven't gone down. They've actually continued to increase. But switching to a premium diesel fuel can uh, really result in some large operational savings with the fuel economy and reducing the equipment repair costs. Our fleet owners, if you want to consider trying a premium diesel fuel in the past, or if you have considered it in the past, now is really the time to take advantage of that with the lower diesel fuel prices to try out that premium diesel fuel. There are more than 1,450 Cenex locations in 19 states across the Midwest and Pacific Northwest. Visit Cenex.com to find a Cenex location and learn more. This report is a service of Shell Rotella. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So what will today bring? I'm really looking forward to what uh, the media's responses and political responses uh, is uh, today and where we go from uh, this point and what is the next scandal that they bring up. Yeah, um, because there has to be something. I mean, every day there's been something on the president, but now it's over. Impeachment is behind us. Where do they go next? And how much focus is there going to be on, you know, on New Hampshire? What's, you know... You get beyond New Hampshire, then what? Is is Biden losing his momentum, uh, even heading yeah. into the South, where his numbers are have been pretty high? Uh, it's going to be an interesting few weeks.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One.